Can we trust him then? Ron and Carrie are a couple that Jeannie and I know. They sensed God's call to go to Papua New Guinea as missionaries. So they stepped out in faith to serve God and to follow Him. And they went on the mission field. Came back for a furlough, went to a conference, took their three small boys with them and finished the conference and were heading back to visit family shortly before heading back to Papua New Guinea. When a drunk driver coming the other direction, a drunk driver whose license had been suspended one week before because he received a DUI, swerved into their lane and hit them head on. Carrie's back was broken. Ron's leg was broken and he had other injuries. Their oldest son was killed instantly. Their youngest son was uninjured and their middle son is now paralyzed from the waist down. What do you do when you step out to trust God and you, and you hear God's call? He's called you to serve Him and you step out in faith even though you might be afraid. And it does not go well. What do you do? Do you shut down? Do you walk away? Do you give up? Or do you let the confusion and pain take you to a deeper engagement with God than you've ever known? See, the truth is, if you serve God in pretty much any capacity, I'm not talking about just full-time as a missionary or pastor. I'm talking about stepping out to teach a Sunday school class or to share Christ with a friend or to try to love your spouse better or whatever it is that God is calling you to do to step out to serve Him, you will find before long that something will not work out well. That things will begin to fall apart and you will experience struggle, rejection, and failure. Most of you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've tried to follow him. All our missionaries and field staff and pastoral staff could share stories. (laughs) You run into a difficult person to deal with. You run into red tape that binds you and you can't get anywhere. You run into struggles with your own expectations or the expectations or rejections of others. You experience health issues and you think, God, what's going on? I stepped out to serve you and why are things going wrong? Well, Moses experienced that very thing. God had called him to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. God had encouraged this reluctant hero to step out. And finally he did. He's finally obeying God even though he didn't want to. But he stepped out, hearing God's call. He went forward. And God said, you're going to go to Pharaoh, the very land of Egypt where you had to run as an outlaw. And you're going to go and lead my people out. The very nation where he ran ran for his life 40 years before. But he's trusting God, so he steps out. 
and moves forward. And today, as we look at this passage, we'll see that as he goes forward, obeys God's call, that it does not go well. And it forces us to think about our own lives. How do we respond when we serve God, when we step out, and it does not go well? So turn with me, if you haven't already, to Exodus chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. We saw in chapter 4 how he had stepped out. He went to the people of Israel, the leaders of Israel. Moses was afraid they wouldn't listen, and they did listen. They believed, and they worshipped the Lord. So he's emboldened to go now to meet with Pharaoh. And in verse 1, we see him doing that. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, thus says the Lord, And you may know this, but in case you don't, everywhere you see in most translations, Lord, all in capitals, it's the name Yahweh. If it's a capital L and then small letters, then it's Adonai, it's the word for Lord. But it's the name, the personal name of God, Yahweh, that he gave Moses in chapter 3, if it's all in capitals. So they come to Pharaoh and they say, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. So Moses and Aaron step out. But you know, they went to the leaders of Israel and that worked out pretty well. They responded. But this is a little different animal, isn't it? (laughs) Pharaoh's the most powerful leader of the most powerful nation on earth at the time. It's the place Moses had had to run from and he's going back into that veritable lion's den. It's a real test of God's faithfulness. And don't we feel that sometimes? I mean, yeah, God, you're there at church. (laughs) You're at my Bible study. But are you still God? Are you still Yahweh? Are you still in control when I go to work? And no one else acknowledges you. In my family when I feel so alone, in that classroom where they're talking about evolution and people think I'm crazy because I believe in a Creator God. Are you still Lord there in our marriages, in our families, at school, at work? In this ministry I'm involved in, are you really Yahweh? Are you really God? So Moses and Aaron step into that situation with Pharaoh, and they declare, Thus says Yahweh. Now this is a prophetic formula that's used throughout the Old Testament to declare this is a specific word from Yahweh and you had better listen. (laughs) He has spoken. You had better listen. So they're demonstrating, God's spoken, Pharaoh. You better respond. God has shown up. They're doing what God asked. They've stepped out. But notice how it goes. Verse 2 through 5. But Pharaoh said, Who's Yahweh? (laughs) That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I don't know Yahweh. And besides, I'm not going to let Israel go. I don't care what you say. I'm not letting them go. So Moses and Aaron said, "Well, Well, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, 
Why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. Again, Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their labors. They've declared, Thus says Yahweh. (laughs) You better listen, Pharaoh. And notice what Pharaoh says. Who's he? I don't know your God. Yahweh, he's a nobody. And besides, I'm in charge, I'm in control, and I will not let the Israelites go. Well, this hasn't gone quite as Moses and Aaron had hoped, as you might guess. So they start scrambling. And I can relate so much to them at this point. (laughs) They start scrambling and they start thinking, okay, well, let's try to convince them another way. Okay, well, you don't know Yahweh, but okay, well, it's the God of the Hebrews. You know, our, our people, it's, it's our God. And, you know, all we really want to do is go on a retreat for three days. So that's not a big deal, right, Pharaoh? And so, you know, let us go on a retreat. And besides, you know, if you don't, he might zap us and you're going to lose all your great slave labor. You've seen how they're pulling out all the stops. <laughs> they're doing everything they can to take it in their own hands and convince Pharaoh Pharaoh, this is a great idea. Better let us go. You see, they're trying everything in their power to work it out at this point, aren't they? (laughs) They're trying to argue the point. They play the religious superstition card, the you're going to lose out card, whatever they can think of to convince him, and he is not convinced, is he? Guys, just get back to work. I don't want to hear about this. Forget it. I don't care what your God says. Get back to work. Notice how when things don't work out our way, it's a tendency for every one of us, certainly me, to start scrambling, to start looking for something we can do to try to fix it. Maybe if I talk to this person, if I do this or write this and you know, when I have conflict with a person, I'm always scrambling to try, to try to work it out because I don't like that. And, you know, there's a tendency for us to do that, to scramble, to try to take it in our own hands. And it doesn't really help, does it? It doesn't really help. But we can't seem to help ourselves trying to do that. Well, let's see what goes on. Pharaoh responds, verse 6 through 9, So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters, over the people and their foremen, saying, You are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it, because they're lazy. Therefore they cry out, Let's go and sacrifice to our God. We'll let the labor be heavier on the men, and let them work at it so they will pay no attention to false words. Now, at this point, Pharaoh's acting like a brilliant dictator, isn't he? There's a little unrest among the slaves. (laughs) I'll get them under control. I'll give them more work than they can possibly do. They've got to do the same quota, but they get no straw. You see, the bricks wouldn't hold together without straw. But they're not going to be given straw anymore. They're already being worked to the death. And he says, you've got to gather your own straw and keep the same quota. You've got to do that, plus 
The men are going to be worked especially hard because I don't want them plotting to try to get away in any way. And I'm going to make their leaders, their foremen, be the communicators of all this. Those were Israelite foremen that had been given special favors to be able to be, have leadership and work under the Egyptians. And they're going to be the ones communicating all this. I'm going to create division and I'm going to make it look like they're all liars so they'll pay no attention to false words that their leaders and Moses and Aaron, they're all lying and even their God's a liar. You see, he's brilliant. He's going to exhaust them so they can't do anything for themselves. He's going to scatter them so they won't even be together. They'll be looking for straw and he's creating division among the ranks. He's clearly in control, isn't he? (laughs) So think about Moses for a minute. Lord, I stepped out to follow you and things are only getting worse for the very people that you called me to bring out of slavery. It's getting worse. Well, it gets worse from there. Verse 10 through 14. So the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, the Israelite foremen, went out and spoke to the people saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw. You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, but none of your labor will be reduced. So the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount, either yesterday or today, in making bricks as previously? So the screws get tightened. The pressure's on. It's getting worse for Israel. And in verse 10, you hear this phrase as they go announce to the Israelite. Thus says Pharaoh. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Back in verse 1, Moses said, Thus says Yahweh. Now they're saying, Oh yeah? Yahweh? No, it's thus says Pharaoh. I'll tell you who's really in control. You see, this becomes a cataclysmic battle, a cosmic battle between God and the forces of the world. Who is really in control? Who speaks truth? Who's going to win? God or the world? God or Satan? And this raises the question for us. When we go through times like this where you follow God and things get worse, it raises the question, God, what's going on? Are you really in control or not? Can I really trust you? And that's a question that smolders throughout all the Scriptures and through our experience. God, are you really in control? Can I trust you or not? It doesn't look like you're in control. goes on and it gets worse. Verse 15 through 19, the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh. Okay, they're making their appeal. These are the leaders of the Israelites. The foremen, they go to a, straight to the top, to Pharaoh, saying, why do you deal this way with your servants? There's no straw to give your servants, yet they keep saying to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are being beaten, but it's the fault of your own people. You see, they make their appeal to Pharaoh. They say, look, 
Pharaoh, this is unfair. We're already overworked, and we, without straw, we can't do this. He's, they're appealing to Pharaoh's sense of fairness. Are you fair or are you not? Have you ever done that with a boss that's been unfair? Hey, let me explain something to you. This isn't quite fair, and let me explain it to you. Maybe you've done that. I have. And it didn't go real well. But they're appealing to that sense of justice, of unfairness. It's not our fault. It's your people's fault. And hear Pharaoh's response, verse 17. But he said, you're lazy, very lazy. Therefore, you say, let's go and sacrifice to Yahweh. So go now and work, for you'll be given no straw, yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. Pharaoh's response is, I'm not the problem. My lack of fairness is not the problem. It's your laziness. Ever had that happen to you? Try to explain how unfair it is, and yet it gets turned right back on you. You are the problem. You're the problem. Get back to work. Well, here were the Israelites, what they realized in verse 20. When they left Pharaoh's presence, Oh, excuse me, verse 19. The foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble. They were in evil. They were in bad shape because they were told, you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. The light's gone on. We've done whatever we can. We appealed to the highest court, Pharaoh himself, and we got nowhere. We are in trouble. Bad trouble. You know that feeling? When you have this sinking feeling, you've done everything you can and you realize you're powerless. It's hopeless to get any better from your perspective. You're at the end of your rope, as far down as you can go, and you look and it's still a thousand foot drop and you are dead. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing you can do to make it any better. And this is where a lot of us turn to depression. This hopelessness. They're at the end of their resources. They are in a place of brokenness. From their own efforts, there's nowhere else to turn from their perspective. Do you know that feeling? I do. (laughs) So where do you go then? When you reach that place, well, here's where they went. Finding somebody to blame. Verse 20 and 21. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. Now, in the original language, it's clear. Moses and Aaron are anxiously waiting to hear how their appeal went with Pharaoh. You see, I think they're thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we're in trouble if this doesn't work out. I hope it works out. How'd it go, guys? Then they said to them, May Yahweh look upon you and judge you, Moses and Aaron, for you have made us stink in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hands to kill us. Moses and Aaron are hoping they're off the hook. They're not. In fact, the response of these foremen is to come back and say, May the Lord curse you. May He judge you because you caused this. You put us in this situation. 
May God send lightning down on you. Essentially, is what they're saying. Because you have made us stink, literally. You have made us stink with a terrible odor in Pharaoh's sight. Isn't that an interesting mix of metaphors? You've made us stink in his sight. The picture I get here is, you know, you've got the garbage under the sink and you kind of ignore it for a while, but then it starts to reek and the smell begins wafting through the house and every time you walk by it, it's like... And you just realize, I've got to get rid of that garbage because it stinks. And the foremen are saying... You know, we're able to kind of hide under the sink for a while. But Moses and Aaron, you have made us stink. And now he's going to kill us with a sword. He's going to finish us off. And it's your fault, Moses and Aaron. You caused us. You caused this. They're enraged because things have gone from bad to worse. Now think about Moses and Aaron for a moment. They're standing there and they're getting hit with this. It's their fault, they're getting blamed. And I think at that point, they would be perfect, ideal examples for a Southwest Airlines commercial. Want to get away? (laughs) I'm sure they did want to get away. (laughs) You see, you try to obey God in good faith like Moses and Aaron did. And you're doing your best to follow Him. And things begin to fall apart. And what ends up happening so often is you end up getting blamed for it. And it's something God has allowed, but you end up getting blamed for it. Sometimes that's the most painful part, isn't it? It's unfair, but you get blamed. My first pastorate, I was fresh out of seminary, and I had uh, served there for a few years, and then I had the opportunity at age 28 to become interim pastor at this church. And I was feeling inadequate. I was feeling like, God, I don't know, are you calling me to do this? But I sensed that God was calling me to step out and serve Him. And follow him, even though I felt so inadequate at age 28 to take on a whole church. And I stepped out and trusted him and God was teaching me and using me and it went okay for a while. (laughs) And then things began to unravel and some really difficult relationships began to occur and it was hard. And I did everything I knew to try to work it out. And it did not help. And finally, at that point, in frustration, I just shut down. Because I didn't want to get blamed for anything, so I wasn't going to do anything to cause anybody to be angry at me. So I just withdrew, resigned, and after several months, slunk out of town with my tail between my legs. And, of course, the interesting part is I'd worked so hard not to get blamed for anything, and there were a number of people who saw me as the problem. All my efforts did not work. I'm not proud of how I responded, but that's essentially what I did. I was broken. I was crushed. I'd stepped out to follow the Lord, and it had not gone well. And so my response was essentially to shut down and run away. Those are the two responses that we tend to have when things get bad, aren't they? 
we either get angry, like the foreman did, and find somebody to blame. It's your fault. Or we shut down and run away. We give up. We withdraw. What would Moses do at this point? You see, 40 years before, what did he do? He ran away. Things didn't work out. He took off in the wilderness and hid in Midian for 40 years. He shut down. But now God's called him back. How is he going to respond? Well, very interesting. Verse 22 and 23. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought evil to this people? Literally, it's the word evil or bad. Why have you done harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people. He's done evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. One thing I want you to notice. Where's Aaron? My guess is Moses started talking to God in this way. And Aaron went about 500 yards away to wait for the lightning bolt. You know, Aaron was going to protect himself at all costs. (laughs) Listen to Moses' words. Essentially what he's saying is, it's your fault. You are causing evil to this people, God. And your plan of sending me was a bad plan. And you're not even a God of integrity because you said you'd deliver this people and you haven't done it. Now, Moses has forgotten what we saw last chapter, last week, that God said, by the way, when you go, Moses, to Pharaoh, he will not listen at first. (laughs) But Moses, at this point, he's got his own plan of how he wants it to work out. Isn't that like us? We figure how we think it should work out, and when it doesn't, we get frustrated with God. And God's just working out his plan that he always had in mind. But what's really good about what Moses does in all his blaming, in all his, you got me into this, God, it's your fault, is he's brutally honest with God. He engages with God. He doesn't run and he doesn't blame someone else. He engages directly with God. He confronts God with his own pain and anger. He doesn't run away. He doesn't give up like we would tend to do. And he raises some really tough questions. God, are you causing evil? Are you, are you really good? Can I really trust that you're good? And can I really trust that you're in control? Moses seems, I mean, Pharaoh seems to be completely in control. Are you really in control, God? You've done nothing. Who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? Well, how will God respond to this? This anger, this confrontation, this engagement. Well, I love God's response. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Now. Now. Now, Moses. 
that you've been broken, now that you're at the end of your resources, now that I've got your attention and you are fully engaged with me, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a mighty hand, literally, with a mighty hand he will let them go. And with a mighty hand he will drive them out of his land. Now the stage is set. Moses, you've been in Act 1. Now begins Act 2. You haven't seen the whole picture, Moses. The story's not over. Now that you're broken of your own resources, I am free to act. Now that you realize you're powerless, I will begin to move. God doesn't rebuke Moses. In fact, he encourages his faith and his engagement with him. Isn't that marvelous? God wants us to be honest with him. And God is essentially saying, Moses, I am against evil too. This is a battleground between good and evil, and I'm on your side. I just have a bigger plan than you can see. I will show you who's in control, and I will show you who is going to get the glory from this. Think with me for a minute. What if when Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, Pharaoh had just given in? Or when they began to argue and convince him, He had gone along with it and let them go. Who would get the glory? Moses, right? And when the foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh and trying to convince him that he was being unfair and he'd given in to that, who would get the glory? The foreman, right? Because they'd convinced him. But now it's clear that no one will get the glory except God himself. You see, God often puts us in situations where it's clear that if anything is going to happen, it has to be God. So that He will get the glory, and not us. Not our feeble efforts to try to work it out ourselves. It will be clear that He is Savior and no one else. And the bottom line of all of this passage and what God is doing here, folks, is there is a battle, a cosmic battle going on for our own souls for your soul and my soul, about who will we trust? Will we trust in Pharaoh? Will we trust in ourselves and our own efforts to try to work out life? Or in the end, will we engage with God and trust in Him and no one else? Do you have a Pharaoh in your life? A boss? a difficult co-worker, uh, another student, a teacher, a neighbor. Well, God is working in that, through that person, to help you trust Him alone. And it, we learn a principle from this that goes throughout the Scriptures. The key to effective ministry of being used by God is brokenness being broken of our own efforts, being broken of our own attempts to control things. That is the key to effective ministry. So let me encourage you. As you face times when life does not work out and you're trying to follow God and it doesn't go well, dare to believe that God is working out a bigger plan than you can see. 
Dare to believe that God is doing something greater than you could have imagined. I picture this, I don't know why this illustration came to me, but a bear who's, who's made his way into town and he's going through garbages and all and he ends up getting shot with a tranquilizer, put in a cage, and he's got to feel like, this is horrible, this is terrible, I'm trapped, it's a terrible thing. And he doesn't realize he's being taken out into the wilderness where he can experience real safety and freedom. And so often we get put in situations where we feel trapped and God is doing something to bring a greater freedom in our lives and a greater effectiveness to be used for His kingdom. But there are times where we struggle and say, God, are you really good? Are you really in control? And let me encourage you. As New Testament believers, we have one thing to look back to, that no matter how bad things seem to be, you can always know that God is good. That's the cross. Jesus died for you. He took your sins and my sins on His own back. And therefore, no matter how things look, you can know that God is good and working out a good plan. He is in control. He is the conqueror over sin and death. And the cross is a constant reminder of that. God hates and judges sin but He judged it in His own Son so we could be free and experience the fullness of His love and be His people and be changed forever. So now we want to celebrate what He's done by taking communion together. We want to celebrate His love for us that He's proven forever just like He was about to take the Israelites out of Egypt, out of their slavery. He has bought us and taken us out of our slavery to sin and given us life so we know no matter what our circumstances look like, He loves us forever. So let's pray. Lord, I thank You for the example of Moses who struggled to trust You, who found it hard to keep clinging to You and yet he engaged with You. Lord, help us to engage with You when we do not understand how your hand is moving in our lives. Help us grow in our faith to trust. But thank you, we have the cross to look back on. And as we celebrate it now, let it be a constant reminder to us that you are good and you love us forever. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As the bread is being passed, When everybody has bread, we'll take it together. And if you're new here, we welcome you to take communion with us. You're one of us if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you during this time to let it be a time of meditation and being honest with God about your struggles to believe that He is good and your struggles to believe that He is in control.